Hey, what's up, Kev Legacy? Yeah. And what's up to the New Hope Hilo family as well? You know what? It's such an honor. Like Pastor Sheldon had just shared, my name's Chad. I have the privilege of being the young adults pastor at our church back home on Oahu. It's called C4 Christ-Centered Community Church. Anybody from C4 in the house tonight? Like I said last night, it's so easy when you're at camp. All you have to do is say one thing, they scream for you. But our, our senior pastor, Pastor Dale, sends his love as well. We're your brother or your sister church back on Oahu. And it's such an honor. I was talking with Pastor Sheldon before service tonight to be right here in this church that was the mother, the birthplace of what we know as the New Hope Movement in the state of Hawaii. Amen. That, that birth right out of your church. And campers, I don't know if you know that either, but every pastor that you've encountered, every leader that you've encountered here this week or that you've encountered back home at church is attributed, if we're going to call this camp legacy, it's to the legacy that was started right here in this building, in this place so many years ago. So why don't we thank God for that as well. And a funny thing I just wanted to share really quick before I get started tonight. Church, did you know here, right here at New Hope Hilo, the core values hangs in your green room in the back. And one of the core values of this church, and this is what I admire so much about the leadership here that I've got to um, talk with and Pastor Sheldon as well, is this is one of your core values. We believe, church, we believe in identifying and training emerging leaders who are fully committed to Christ and who will reach the next generation with the gospel. Can you say amen to that? That's one of the core things about your church right here in New Hope Hilo. And so I want to thank Pastor Sheldon and his team. I want to thank Bunny and the whole team at camp this week. It's such an honor for me to be here. And, you know, I was, as we were worshiping, my eyes were just draining with tears. And do you know why they were draining with tears? Because as I stand among all of these youth here, I'm looking out into this crowd and I'm standing over there, I'm moving to the back, and I can see faces that I've seen grow up. For those of you that don't know, I was a teacher at Kalani High School for five, the past five years. I was an English teacher at Kalani High School. And I'm looking out and some of the faces that are in this place worshiping God with all their hearts, I've seen them grow up from little 14-year-old freshmen all the way to now they're leaving to college, and they are worshiping God with all their heart. And I never, I never got the opportunity to share Jesus with them, but it's so, so cool. I know their families. I know their siblings. They know my family. They know me, and it's so cool that we're all here together, and we worship the same God in heaven. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Hey, I want to introduce you to a few people that are near and dear to my heart, a couple people, and that's my family. And they'll come up on the screen here. You'll see a picture of my beautiful wife, Emily. I've been married to this woman for three years, uh, three amazing years in my life. Yeah, go ahead. And that's also our beautiful baby boy, Malachi. He's 15 months old, and he's here at camp as well. And you might recognize my wife. Um, she played volleyball for the University of Hawaii. If you guys watch volleyball on TV, yeah, a few years back, she was a liberal defensive specialist for that team, and that would make me the guy who jumped out of the box and proposed to her on that senior night. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was me. I know. It's romantic. It's romantic. Go ahead. Well, I want to start tonight with a question. And, and family, I want to ask you this question. And let's see how many of you are like me. But how many of you have ever questioned your prayer life to God? Like you ever thought about God, why, why is something's wrong with my prayer life? Something's missing because I pray, but maybe I don't actually know how. Am I doing this correctly? Sometimes I don't hear answers. I don't hear the answers I want. I don't even hear answers that I don't want. I can't hear any answers. How many of you are like me? You ever questioned your prayer life before? Oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, it's not just me. Well, tonight, we're going to take a look at what it means to be a prayer warrior. And we're titling this message... God can handle. Turn to, turn to your neighbor and tell him, God can handle. God can handle. God can handle. And you can say it, a little bit of pigeon, right? We're in Hilo. I was stoked to be able to come to Hilo because my family, I actually have family that live up in North Kohala, 
I don't know if you guys, it's like a three-hour trip, right? So I hardly ever get to visit them. But when I do come to the Big Island, it's usually to, uh, to North Kohala. So it's a privilege to be here in Hilo. But many of you raise your hand. You're like me. Sometimes your prayer life, it seems a little shaky, right? Like we're not sure if we're doing it correctly. I know my Sunday school teacher taught me to do it this way. I know the Bible says Jesus said to pray like this. I know that my mom and dad, they taught me to pray before every meal, right? Thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it to our bodies. But is it really working? And is it really effective? And how do I know that? How do I know that? And this week, camp's titled Reality Check. Somebody say Reality Check. And last night, I told the campers that we're going to be walking through the life of a guy named David. And the first reality check that we got from the life of David was that God doesn't see things the way that we do. In fact, it would, tell us, um, it would tell us that God, he doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. That God would judge us, not by the way we look, not by the way we dress or the way we act to others, but he would look at our heart. And tonight we're going to continue in that with another reality check. Campers or family, if you're writing notes tonight, I want you to write this down. This is reality check number two, and it's this. That God can handle any prayer that we're willing to offer him. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> yeah, thank you. God can handle any prayer that we're willing to offer him. And I want to open up our Bibles with me, if you would. Would you open up your Bibles to Psalm 42? Psalm 42, the 42nd Psalm. <laughs> open up your Bibles there with me. And as you do that... I want to tell you how I first encountered this reality check, okay? Because like I shared with them last night, I didn't grow up in the church, okay? I never knew God growing up. When, when I was their age, I was out partying with my friends. I wasn't at a summer camp. I wasn't in Hilo. I was probably in the parking lot somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? In the backseat of somebody's car drinking with my buddies, all right? But as I grew older, I got to college and someone had shared to me that there's a way out of this cycle that I was in because it was getting pretty boring after a while, I'm not going to lie. Somebody had shared Christ with me, and I came to the Lord when I was 22 years old. 22 years old in college, I came to the Lord, but I was still rough around the edges. You know what I mean? Anybody can relate to that when you first come to Christ? You're still a little rough around the edges, right? Yeah, we can all admit that, and that was me. And so 22 years old, I accept Christ, by this place called the Baptist Collegiate Ministries at UH. It's a college ministry. And they have a dorm there with all Christians. It was awesome. Or so I thought, right? You dorm there with about 20 Christian brothers and sisters. And camp kind of reminded me of that as I was looking at the tents outside and the way you guys are sleeping this week. It was just like that. I mean, we were in a building, not tents. But you know what I mean? There was a girl's side and there was a boy's side. And there was 10 girls and 10 boys in the dorm. But again, I was rough around the edges. I had just accepted Christ. So I turned that dorm upside down, if you know what I'm talking about. I would be bumping my rap music. I was big into rap back in that time. And there was this guy called 50 Cents. He's half a dollar. You know what I mean? Okay. His name was 50 Cent. His name was 50 Cent. And he was part of this group called G-Unit. Somebody say G-Unit. Don't listen to them. They're garbage, all right? But anyway... I'm bumping this music that has nothing to do with God in the Christian dorms, and my friends are looking at me weird, like, hey, we got to pray for, lay, lay hands on this guy. <laughs> Chad, you need some Lecrae in your life. You don't need this G-Unit stuff, okay? And one day, I can remember, you guys could relate to this, campers, when you're living in such a tight space, people can get on each other's nerves really quickly. Isn't that true? Some of you guys are laughing right now because it's already happened to you in this camp, Right? But the dorm rooms were super small. They weren't big. They were like a small room, and two or three guys would be on a bunk bed inside of that room, and there's a small space. I had a friend named John. I still talk to John. I just had coffee with him right before I came to camp last week. But John and me were roommates, okay? But one day it came to a screeching halt because rough around the edges, Pastor Chad got a little irritated with John. And one day we were both walking, and you know how when somebody's in your way and you're walking right, you're walking towards each other, you might politely turn to the side so that the other person can pass and say, excuse me, or whatever. Well, this is what I did that day, because I was a little irritated. I'm walking towards John, and I gave him one of these. 
And then he looked at me like confused, right? And I said, watch where you're walking. It was on like Donkey Kong from that moment. John's about 6'2", 170, uh, soaking wet. So he's not much bigger than me, but he was bigger than me, right? And so John's probably, he's, he, he was a little disturbed at that point. Hey, Chad, can we talk about this? I told, I'll never forget, I told John, I don't want to talk about this. I want to punch you in the face. And things got heated real quick, you know what I mean? Zero to 100, real quick. It went real quick at that point. Thank God I had a good buddy, Ikaika. Ikaika was a 200-pound Hawaiian guy who brought me to the Lord, and he pulled me on the side immediately, and he said, Chad, we got to talk about this. You got to pray to God about this. And I said, I don't want to pray to God. I'm too mad right now. I'm angry. I just want to swear, and I want to punch John in the face, all right? But Ikaika said something that I'll never forget, and it stuck with me the rest of my life up until this point, it was this, that God, Chad, God can handle any prayer that you're willing to offer him. He can handle any prayer that you're really willing to offer him. And I really believe that when I fully understood this, when I fully began to grasp this and put it into practice, I got to see, that's when I got to see my relationship with God, my relationship with John, my relationship with my friends, my relationship with family, and most importantly, my relationship with the Lord, it grew exponentially. See, because we can get so caught up in the how, can't we? Like, how do we pray? What is it supposed to sound like? What, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to posture myself? Am I supposed to kneel? Am I supposed to stand? Am I supposed to lie down? What is it supposed to look like when I pray? But when we break it down, family, I want to tell you this, that prayer is just talking to your father. Prayer is just having a conversation with your father who's in heaven. And like I shared with the campers last night, I didn't have a great relationship with my father growing up. He left when I was very young. I didn't have a great relationship with my stepfather growing up. Okay, we lived in the same house, but it was kind of a, where we were at two separate worlds, even though we were living in the same place. I'm sure many of you know what that's like. So my relationship with a father figure was not the greatest. And to me, I always thought that, hey, if I was going to have a conversation with my dad, my dad would listen. It would be open and honest communication. He might correct me. He might scold me. He might listen to me. He might give me advice. He might even joke with me. But I should never, ever have to be afraid of coming to my father and talking to him about something. The communication would be open and honest, and I believe, family, I truly believe that that's the kind of communication that the Heavenly Father wants to have with you and with me. As our Father in Heaven, He wants that open and honest communication. And that's one of the things, as we're following the life of David, that's what I love about David. That's what I love about David, is that flaws and all, he was this anointed king. He was the first king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel. They called him a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. The only person in the Bible that's called that, this David. But flaws and all, we're going to see tonight that David understood this concept that God could handle any prayer, any prayer that he was willing to bring to him. So let's take a look at Psalm 42 tonight. If you're ready for God's word, say, bring it, pastor. All right, I'll do it. You're right. Let's look at verse 1. It says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. And when can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? I want to ask you this question. Have you ever cried yourself to sleep at night? Yeah? Have you, ever, have you ever been so overwhelmed with emotion that even if you weren't physically crying, it had felt like you've been crying almost all day and all night, right? We've all been there before. Have you ever felt like God wasn't existent at that point, that even though you were crying? David says here, I, I have only my tears for food. Like, have you ever been there where you're not even eating, that's how sad and depressed and overcome with emotion you are. You can't even eat. You can't even think to eat. All you can think about is that problem that you're dealing with. 
You might smile on the outside, right? You might smile to everybody else, but on the inside, only you know exactly the pain that you're feeling in that moment. That's what David's going through here. And the context of this scripture is that David, he's hiding. King David, anointed David, chosen by God to lead the people of Israel. God's chosen people. He's the leader. But at this point in Psalm 42, he's hiding inside of a cave because his enemies are after him to kill him. This man who's supposed to be the bravest, baddest, strongest dude is now hiding and crying, crying to himself with nobody around him. On top of that, people, he says, people are mocking him because of his faith in God. And I want to ask you this question, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there before? Have you been so deep in a problem with your family or with your friends, with your spouse, coworkers, bosses? Have you ever been so deep in turmoil with them, you don't even know what to do? God's not even there. Try and turn to him, but it doesn't seem like he's interested in whatever you're going through. So begin to doubt him, right? Anybody been there before, doubt, doubting God? Last night I challenged the youth in this room to pray this one prayer. Look yourself in the mirror. Get real with what you're feeling, what is inside of you, what you're going through, and ask yourself this one question. I challenged them to do this throughout this whole week. God, what do you think of me? Not what does my family think of me. Not what does my friends think of me. Not what does the world think of me. God, what do you think of me? And at this point, my guess, because this is what I, what I went through, my guess is that many of you this morning, many of you last night, many of you in your small groups with friends, with leaders, you probably prayed that prayer. You were expectant, you were excited after last night's message, and you said, God, what do you think of me? And I'm guessing that many of you in this room, you might have heard silence. Right? You might have not heard anything. Say, oh, well, God must not care about me. I didn't hear anything that he had to say. And man, I'm telling you, I've been there. I'm 31 years old, but ever since I was 16 and 17 years old, I had the same clique. I had the same friends, right? No new friends. We don't feel that. Okay, anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to. Ever since I was 16 or 17 years old, I had the same group of friends. But let me tell you what. When I received the Lord, oh, Chad's not going out anymore. We're not going to call him. Chad's a pastor now. We're not going to call him. Chad's a family man. He's got a family. He's married. He's got a kid. These people were with me through all of the toughest moments of my life. And all of a sudden, they're not around. They're not calling me anymore. So I still struggle with things like that. That gets to me. Now I work it out, I have to talk with them about it, but it's still something that I struggle with. And I have to ask God, God, where are you in this? You know, why hasn't this problem in my life been solved? But here's the thing, even in the midst of doubt, even in that moment of not hearing God at all, even in the cave when his enemies are trying to kill him, David knows one thing. David knows one thing, everybody say one thing. That he's longing for God. That he is longing for God. Even in the midst of his doubts, David is longing for his relationship with the God that he knows. If you're writing notes, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That our longings reveal our priorities. Our longings reveal our priorities. Our longings reveal our priorities. And I want to ask you this question, what are you longing for here tonight? As you sit here, what are you longing for here tonight? I shared this story at my church last week, but leading up to Legacy Camp, I was excited, man. I was praying. I was studying. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then 
something really, really bad happened. I woke up Wednesday morning before we came here to camp that same Wednesday last week, and I couldn't get out of bed. I had this back problem, right? You ever been there? You have a slip disc, my doctor called it, where I couldn't get out of bed. It was the most painful thing that I've ever experienced, yeah? I had been doing some exercising the day before, and when you're 31, you're not the same as when you were younger, right? You got to start using this thing called proper form, right, that I have no, no idea about, obviously, right? So I had a slip disc. Wednesday and Thursday, I'm lying in the bed crying out to God, Lord, I got to go to camp. I got to get prepared. I'm longing for my back to be healed, and it wasn't a bad thing, right? I needed to be here at camp. I needed to be up and running around and preparing I couldn't be lying down in bed. My longings were revealing my priorities. You know what God said to me? He said, Chad, what are you longing for? Are you longing for your back to be healed or are you longing to know me in a deeper way? Yeah, it rocked my world. It rocked my world. So our longings, family, reveal to us our priorities. And even I, Pastor Chad, had to get those in check before I could make it out here to New Hope Hilo. Verse 4, David says this, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. I remember how it used to be. Man, I was on fire. I remember leading the crowd into the house of the Lord with great joy. David's remembering his relationship with the Lord at this point. He's in a place that I think many of us go to. I mean, if we're following the Lord for any amount of time, if we've accepted him as our, our Lord and Savior, we can kind of relate to David in this place. It's this place, campers, about two weeks or so, maybe even sooner after you leave this place, Right? After all of the worship is done, after that camp high is over and you go back home and everything is still waiting for you exactly as it was before you left, you're the only thing that changed. David's in this place. Man, remember how awesome Legacy was last year? Remember how awesome Legacy was two weeks ago? If you've never been to Legacy Camp, that might look like, remember how it was when I first accepted the Lord? Man, I was on fire. I believed. Remember when I got water baptized? Man, that was a huge step of faith for me. Remember what that was like? That's what David's talking about right here in the cave. As he's doubting God, he's remembering what his life was like before. Man, when I was 22, like I shared before, the only thing that I wanted was to get away from the, the monotony that was becoming getting drunk with my friends every week. And guess what? A couple years later, I accepted Christ. Sure, I went on a mission trip. I started a youth group. But guess what? The same friends that I had were still around, right? My friends didn't change. Only I changed. So they were still calling me to get me to go do the same things that I had already been doing for so many years with them. Just because I accepted Christ didn't change a thing. And I had to have a heart check there and say, well, what is it going to be, right? That's where David's at. What is it going to be? Am I going to choose God? It used to be really great. Is it still going to be that way? I still got to pay bills. That's what it might look like for us. I still got to pay bills. My family's still broken. I remember what it was like, but it ain't getting any better right now. What am I going to do? And I want to talk to the leaders in this place right now. Um, I want to talk to the leaders at camp because leaders, we're not exempt either. Pastors, same thing. We're not exempt either. David says, I used to lead God's people into his house to worship with him. Leaders in here, just because we're in a place of authority where we can pass things on to the next generation, that doesn't mean that we're exempt from feeling the doubt of God that the devil tries to place in our lives. David's in a cave, hiding, and wishing that
that it was like it was before. Verse 9 says, O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? This is... This gets me every time. This is the man after God's own heart, right? The, God after, uh, the man after God's own heart saying, God, why have you forgotten about me? Where are you? I'm discouraged. Why do you keep allowing this to happen to me? Nothing is getting better. Do you even care? Do you even care, God? David is literally praying this. As he is anointed king of Israel, David is praying, God, have you forgotten about me? Why are you leaving me in this cave? Doubting God's call on his life. But I want to switch that perspective because even though David's doubting God's call on his life, he's calling out to God. Even though he's in doubt, he's calling on God. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. When in doubt, just cry out. You see what I did there? When in doubt, just cry out. I'm an English teacher. I can't help it, all right? When in doubt, just cry out. And I love the way that David ends this prayer. In verse 11, he says this, and this is the chorus of what would be his song here is, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see, in the end, in the end of this prayer, David still doesn't understand. There's no answer to this prayer. Like, those of you that are praying this week, God, what do you think of me? And you haven't heard an answer yet? Can I tell you that in Psalm 42, David heard no answer at this point, right? He's still doubting God. Is this anything going to happen? My life's not getting any better. I have all of these issues. I'm in a cave crying. My tears are my only food. I'm not even eating anything. And my enemies are trying to kill me. But even in that moment, even in his worst time, Nothing. He hasn't heard anything from God. You might be sitting here in this church tonight, and that's where you're at, man. The answers haven't come yet. You're still waiting for your happily ever after. When is that going to come? I keep praying. I've been praying and praying and praying. The sickness hasn't gone away. My mom's still sick. My dad's still sick. I'm still sick. The cancer hasn't gone away. Right? We're waiting, God. We've been doubting for, for how long already? We've been praying to you. Nothing. David had no idea. But isn't that what life is like so many times? We never see the end. It's like we're constantly in the middle waiting for God's answer. But even then, in the cave, in tears, he cries out to God and says, I will praise him again. Somebody say praise. I will praise him again. He is my Savior and my God. He might not even fully have believed this at that point, family. David might not even have believed what he was saying at this point, but that's all he knew. He was going back to what he knew. He was going back to what he knew. In the time of his deepest need, David was clinging on to what he knew most, and he knew that his God was a God who had saved him, who had anointed him to be the king and the leader of his people. And it didn't matter how long it took for his God to answer. It didn't matter how long he had to stay in the cave, starving. David was intent on believing that the same God who had called him was the same exact God that was going to answer his prayer in the future. I want to share that with you tonight. You might be walking through a season, family, where the answers aren't anywhere in sight. But you know, you know that you know that you had a relationship with God once upon a time, no matter how long ago it was, 
you knew God. And you knew him personally. And he did things in your life that nobody else could do. He showed up in ways that you've never seen before. Blew your mind. But now you're in this season of waiting. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. God, I need answers. God, I need answers. Can I encourage you to keep praying? And I'm not talking about praying, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. I love you. Those prayers are great prayers to pray. But I need you, family, to to think about this with me, that God can handle any prayer that you are willing to offer him. That you can come to God, he's your father. You can come to him in an angry prayer. You can come to him in a frustrated prayer. That's where David is in Psalm 42, he's frustrated. God, why? Why? How are you going to deliver me from this? I can't see it. David's not praising at this point he's crying he's frustrated God can handle any prayer that you're willing to offer him the question is are you going to offer him a prayer are you going to turn to God in your deepest time of need even in your doubt God has no problem handling the fact that you're doubting right now He can get you to a place where you're not doubting him anymore. He will show up in your life. I can promise you this. But are you going to offer him a prayer? And I'm not talking about a one-time prayer. I tried it and it didn't work. Yesterday I challenged you campers to ask yourself that question every single day of this week. God, what do you think of me? It's a question I ask myself every day that I wake up. My wife asks me that question. What does God think of you? She helps remind me to ask myself that question. God, what do you think of me? Because people are going to tell me all day long what they think of me, but I need to know what God thinks of me. Amen? Amen? Some of you in here tonight, you might be in the place where you don't even know how to offer up that prayer to God. You've never prayed to God before. You don't even know who God is. Or, like many of us in this room, like myself included, you might be under the impression that there's something in between you and God right now. That there's some kind of sin that has entered into your life that you can't recover from. Man, I've done too many drugs. I've done too many things. I beat up too many people. I swore at too many people. Right? I did so many things that separate me from you, God. There's no way I can even come to you in prayer. Well... I got a little illustration for us, and I'll ask our amazing support staff if they'll bring out that illustration at this point. But let me show you what it looks like. Thank you, Tenny. This is Tenny, the camp director, everybody. No, seriously. That guy worked really hard to set up camp this week. But let me show you what I have here, campers. Um, What I have here are... Again, my son's 15 months old. I have a bunch of his soiled diapers um, from the last couple of days, right? There's, there's baby poop in here, okay? Let's just say it. There's baby poop in these diapers. Now, I want to show you what it looks like. What we often do in our lives, don't get any on the kicks, don't get any on the kicks. That's why they're in the bags, okay? But what we often do in our lives is, We try and put on this front, right? We're busy cleaning the house, let's say, right? We're busy cleaning up everything in our lives on the outward appearance, right? Like I I talked about last night, we're worried about what people are seeing. We're cleaning up everything that people can see in our lives. But in the middle of our living room, there's this... Thing that stinks worse than anything you could imagine. And even though there's a bag here, I can still smell that. I don't know if that's a dad thing or if that's actually the smell, right? But I can still smell this through the bag. And that's what it looks like, family, when we have sin in our life that we haven't addressed. We're busy over here trying to worship God, trying to play the camp deal, 
right, raising our hands in our small groups. We're doing all the right things. We're doing devotions. We're answering all the questions correctly. And in the meantime, there's this thing that's stinking up the room inside of our hearts, inside of our hearts. And God calls that sin. And I don't know what that looks like for you here tonight. But I got to unpack myself daily of the poop that's stinking up my heart and replace it with the God that I know. Amen? Amen. And if I got to do it, family, I would venture to say that it's very, very healthy that all of us do it. And tonight, we're going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to sweep up the poop so that it doesn't stink up. <laughs> Let's just stink up the worship band instead. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys were awesome tonight, right? Yeah. Praise God for them. But tonight, family, I'm going to give you some time right now. And, and here's what I want you to do. Each and every person in this room, not just the campers, but all of the adults as well, all of the leaders as well. Because I truly believe that starting today, Satan is trying to get a hold of our hearts and our lives. Whether we realize it or not, right here at camp even, I felt it as I watched today. The things that have transpired at camp, Satan is trying his hardest right now to get a hold of what God has a hold of. And that's each and every one of our lives. Whether you know it or not, whether you think about it or not, he's trying. He's trying his hardest. And you know what? If we're not willing to offer up a prayer to God in the moments of our deepest doubt, an honest prayer, not, not, a, not a fake prayer, not a prayer like you, you hear pastors preach on Sunday mornings. Okay, I'm talking about an honest prayer. God, this is what I'm dealing with. God, I've been praying to you and praying to you and praying to you, and I just want to know why you haven't shown up yet. That's all I want to know. I need an answer. I need an answer. I need an answer. God, why? 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 I need you guys to cry out to him tonight. You might be in this place and you've been a believer for a long time. But tonight you're beginning to doubt God again. Because the circumstances, the waves, they keep coming in your life. And you don't know why. And you're doubting. I need you to cry out to God tonight. To restore that relationship that you once had with him. And if he doesn't answer tonight, keep crying. Keep crying. God, why? God, why? That's what David did. You might be here tonight and you recognize that there's things in your life that aren't right. I came to camp this week and right before I, came to, right before I got on that plane, I had some big, big issues going on. Right? The night before I came to camp, I had some big issues going on. And God, I want to bring that before you tonight. Let me tell you what. I promised you last night that God doesn't see things the way that we do. And that you were destined for great things. And God had a purpose and a plan and a calling for each of your lives. That he saw you as his what? His beautiful inheritance. Remember Ephesians 1, that verse that I threw up last night? That God sees you as his wonderful, beautiful inheritance. But let me tell you what. That that power that God wants to place on your life, he can't do that without you first coming to him and confessing that sin that you know is stinking up your heart before him. We got to get rid of that. We need to get rid of that. Leaders, you need to get rid of that. Pastors, you need to get rid of that. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, Remember that core value that I talked about, raising up emerging next generation leaders? That's what lies in the balance. That's what lies in the balance. We can't raise up the next generation if we've got all of these things in our life 
that are holding us back from what God wants to do for us and then for them. Campers, you might be here, man, I don't know nothing about legacy. I know nothing about the next generation. You are that generation. That's why I was crying while we were worshiping. Because there's people in here sitting right now that are going to be on this stage. I believe it. Next year, the year after that, the year after that, the year after that, the year after that. That's why this church has poured into this legacy camp. Because they believe, just like I believe, that there's a pastor sitting here. There's multiple pastors. There's small group leaders. There's worship leaders. In Jesus' name, there's movement leaders that are sitting right here among you. But if our hearts are not correct, if we've got that baggage still within us, God can't work to the extent that he wants to. I want to invite Pastor Sheldon up at this time. New Hope Hilo is a church that I'm learning about and campers you need to learn about that has invested all of their best leaders this week, all of their facilities this week to see all of you raised up in this place and they want to pray for you they want to pray that your lives would be changed and so pastor sheldon is yeah. going to lead us in that uh, and the reason why we wanted our church to be here tonight not just to receive a powerful word thank you so much pastor chad for giving us such encouraging words and hit it home man hit the heart it's so good but also as a church we want to pray over the next generation and and yes that is our core value and we can put it on a piece of paper, we can put it up for all to see, but nothing better than putting it into action. So I'm going to ask our church members, and youth, you can stay seated. I want to ask our church members to stand right now. And what we're going to do is we're just going to lift a hand forward and we're going to pray. And here's how I want us to pray. Now some of you are wondering, but I don't know how to pray. As Pastor Chad said, just talk to our Father. And so I'm not going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to let you pray. And whatever you want to pray, some of your sons and daughters are here, nieces, nephews, and maybe even some people that you know. But you pray for the next generation in the way you know how. And I'll be praying too. And then I'll conclude the prayer together. So go ahead, pray. Just lift up prayers to our Heavenly Father. Lord, we know that you, you alone are sovereign. And you've created us with a purpose. And every single one of us have an individual purpose but together as the body of Christ knitted together forms itself and builds itself up in love and right now Lord we love this next generation we bless them we pray your blessing over them your anointing over them these here are your sons and daughters of the most high as we all are and we pray for the pastors that are here seated right now that you're speaking to them yes, you have been tugging on their heart yes, we pray for the worship leaders the servants the Levites the ones that will be setting up and taking down the technicians the sound ministry, the greeters, the ushers, those who love to cook, the artists, the designers, the singers, those who take care of all of the little children, those who care for the babies, and those who welcome people into the parking lot. We pray over them. We pray over them as they go into the workforce, into the marketplace, that they would represent you well. Because for some of them, there are going to be marketplace leaders. They may not serve directly in the church, but they may serve you in where they work. There are missionaries here. Yes. And these are men and women who will one day may have families. So we pray for them as, as mothers and fathers, as grandparents, that you would continue the legacy that they are building right now, the legacy that they are are living right now that they would never forget this time and this season we pray financially for them that they would be they would be men and women who steward well the finances that you bless them with give them wisdom beyond their years i pray for those who have not yet called upon you as lord and savior that they would do so we pray this in jesus name in jesus name we all said amen pastor chad is gonna
family, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads at this time and close your eyes. We're going to lead you in a different kind of prayer right now. And I believe right now that there's people in this room who desire what I've talked about tonight, who desire a relationship with the Father in heaven who they can come and have open and honest communication with and who wants to hear and wants to heal their problems, wants to heal their hearts and restore their lives. You might have never heard that before. And tonight, you feel this little tug on your heart, this little tug on your heart. Can I tell you that that's the Holy Spirit? And he's pulling on your heart that you might accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And tonight I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, I want to lead you in a different kind of prayer. And if that's you tonight, if you've been sensing that tug on your heart, I would ask you to just raise up a hand this time. Raise up a hand. I see you on the left here, all all across the room. In the back, I see you in the back as well. Up here in the front, amen, I see you. Up here, right here in the front as well. I see you in the back front. Right here, your hand just went up in the front, in the back as well. I see you all across this room in the back. Amen, on this right side, I see you. Hand went up right there, amen. Amen. Family, could we pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, today I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Lord, I need you to come into my life my Savior, not just my Savior, also be my friend. And Lord, I confess this out loud so that the person next to me can hear, so that I can hear myself, so that all of heaven can hear, and even hell, that Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can we welcome those that chose to accept Jesus right here tonight. Right here tonight. Lives are being changed and restored in Jesus' name. Family, I'm going to ask you if you could sit down at this time. If you could sit down at this time. In a moment, we're going to take communion together and you see what communion is family is it's this reconciliation between us and with God that we were given a chance to become real and bear all of our sins before him that he might restore and heal and reconcile all of those sins for those of you who chose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight This is going to be your opportunity to receive that reconciliation with him as well. But family, I want to address those of us in the room tonight. When I was talking about doubting God, you would say, that's me. And I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand because I believe that each and every one of us might have struggled with that in that way. But tonight I want to address those of us who are doubting God right now. We've been praying, we've been praying, and maybe we're a leader Maybe we're a camper, maybe we're a parent, a grandparent, or a friend. Maybe we just came into church tonight to see what it was about, but we've been doubting God. Before we take communion, the Bible asks us to examine our hearts. Examine our hearts and confess those things before God. God, I'm doubting you. God, I need you to answer. God, what do you think of me? What do you think of me and why haven't you told me yet? As we're passing out the communion elements tonight, we're going to watch a little reflection video. But as we do that, I ask you not to focus so much on the video, but focus on what the video is talking about. Examining our hearts before God before we receive communion tonight. There is nothing more real than the love that God has for you, that he would send the only son that he had to die on a cross that you might have life. See, it was the night before Jesus was about to die on the cross and he was having a meal with his best friends. 
the Bible would tell us that Jesus, he took bread. Go ahead and take the bread that's in your hand. And he broke it. He lifted it up and he broke it. Go ahead and break off a piece of the bread. And he said to his friends, this is my body. And it's going to be broken for each and every one of you. I don't know any more real of a love than that. Would we take the bread? The Bible says that when supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and he raised it up and he said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. It's a new covenant. See, the old covenant was that you follow a bunch of rules, and if you do it just right, if you do it just perfectly, then you'll get to heaven. But this is a new covenant, and my blood will be shed for that covenant. You see, family, in that culture, blood meant life. Blood represented life. And Jesus was telling his friends that I'm going to shed my blood so that each and every one of you can have life. Would we receive the cup tonight? Our ushers and our host team will dispose of those cups on your way out tonight. If you would hold on to those, they'll come around. But I want to close tonight in prayer as we receive that life that Jesus has offered us. Father God, we thank you tonight. We thank you that we can come to you just as we are. And that we can offer up prayers to you, Father, that you would hear and you would understand and you would even answer our most frustrated, our most angry, our most depressed prayers that we could give you. You answer our joyful prayers as well, God. But I thank you that we have the opportunity to offer those prayers up to you through your son, Jesus, who you sent to die on a cross for us. And tonight I pray that for each and every person sitting in this place, God, for campers, leaders, adults, parents, grandparents, church members, pastors, Pray that for myself as well, God, that in our deepest, deepest times of doubt, that you would help us to remember that you can handle any prayer that we're willing to offer you. And the question is, will we offer that prayer? So God, would you go before us tonight? Would you protect us on our way home or in whatever activity we're doing? We just thank you again. We're honored that we would have the privilege to worship you in your house tonight. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.